Christmas, and welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the comedy podcast that analyzes your favorite horror movies. On this episode, we're going to talk to you about Mark Pellington's 2002 film, The Mothman Prophecies, starring Richard Gere. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Rachel. I'm Mary. And to kick us off with this episode, our Christmas episode, what is your reaction to hearing a prophecy because everyone in this movie has a different reaction so mine is very like <laughs> cool dude <laughs> because i don't think i've ever heard a prophecy that i've i felt i had reason to take seriously i can't imagine i don't know it's a little hard to wrap my mind around what the circumstances would have to be for me to be like okay legit so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I have to imagine that even if I did hear a legitimate prophecy, I'd respond the way I've responded up until now, which is very like, haha, cool. Good talk. Way to go, buddy. Like, I would be that person who, like, doesn't get what's going on until it, like, shit gets too real, I think. Like Connie. Like, when yeah, you see yeah. the evidence I think so. building up. Oh, yeah. I would, I would, you like, You see make- it in retrospect. You're like, oh, shit, that was a prophecy. I, I would make okay. I would make that like midpoint turn, you know, like I'd get on board. I just immediately like it wouldn't. That's the thing. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be pressed about it. You know, like I mm-hmm. would just be like, OK, cool. Sounds good. She just <laughs> she went, OK, cool. Stared at the camera, paused and then really quick, just flashed us a peace sign. Just like <laughs> deadpan. Just. <laughs> What about you, Rachel? Um, I would go the exact opposite. <laughs> I would turn around so fast. You got it. You so like I am so fucking paranoid by nature. If I'm standing to get on a plane to get on the last plane to see my mama, and somebody said, "Turn around, that plane going crash." Turn around. You don't even need to finish the sentence. I'm gone. I'm out of here. I have so many examples of this in like my real life. Most currently. Like, right when this whole city shut down, and I remember there was this British dude I was talking to, and he was, like, making a joke, but it was on text, so I didn't, I mean, like, messenger, so I didn't know it was a joke. He said that he saw, like, he he was walking home from work, and he saw, like, the horseman in the sky, and I didn't take it, like, literally. I thought maybe he saw, like, a cloud formation. Right, right. But with my... That's enough. That was enough to where I literally had. I literally mm-hmm. was duck, outside duck with for my cover. friends. Some locusts are about to show I up. Li- when I say yeah. I had a panic attack, my neighbors, because I was out with my neighbors, they're like, "What's wrong?" Because I was hyperventilating. Because I thought it was the end of the world. Don't Mm-mm. play with me with this prophecy shit. Because I'm already like halfway there. Someone well, just be like, "I think this is going to happen." I'm like, "Damn! All right, we better go." Well, and you know, each of us had. On the one hand, each of us had a Christian upbringing. On the other, we each had very different Christian upbringings. Mm-hmm. But, like, if someone came at me with some, like, biblically sound prophecy, I think I would probably react a little differently to someone being like, don't okay. eat this bagel. So if the angel Gabriel came to you and said <laughs> unto you, be not afraid. Well, sure. Like, All right, I'm going to hear you out. Okay, homie. Okay. okay. But if we're okay. gonna take this in a okay. Christian context, just let me just show you the extent of my paranoia. Okay. Mary Kay, do you remember when in Milledgeville they used to do the Bible read, the Bible read marathon? Mm-mm. 
right there was that church right before you get yes to, i do actually yes. and yeah and people would go read and then like popcorn it kind yeah. of yeah and yeah. this i was passing by and i was interested i said like, maybe i should just sit and listen for a minute and this cute guy he was part of the church that did it he mm-hmm. you know we got to talking he wanted me to go to it was a saturday night he wanted me to go to church with him the next morning he was going to pick me up in his truck him this other man that goes to the church and okay. I was real excited because I was real Christian at that time. And I called my mama and she was like, well, you don't know him. I was like, yeah, but he's part of the church. They go, they're at the Bible. They they sponsor the Bible reading marathon. She goes, you don't know him. And that's start, right. That's right, mama. That's right. And I started hyperventilating. I was like, you're right. He is going to kidnap me. He's going to kidnap <laughs> me. You're right. There is this conspiracy. He's going to traffic me. So I called him and I said, I can't go. What Bible verse was he reading? That's the real question. <laughs> you know which one sticks with me is James three seventeen. To him that knows the good to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. That fucks me up because as a kid, now as an adult, I understand it to mean that, you know, um, if you know the right path and you choose otherwise, that is sinful. As mm-hmm. a kid, I interpreted it to mean anywhere you see a good you could do and choose not to do it, you've sinned. So you could have held a door for someone, right? Oh. You could have helped someone with their bat. Anywhere you see a good you could have done and didn't do it is a sin. And honestly, um, considering... <laughs> Little Mary was racking up some good place points. <laughs> honestly, kind of not, which might be why I spent the first decade of my adult life doing social services. <laughs> uh, but no, like that, that, even once I understood that I had misinterpreted that, that, that shape, that hit me at the right age to shape a lot of my worldview. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I, I went into service mm-hmm. when that, that verse was the one that like resonated with me so, so strongly. Well, I have a different answer to this question than both of y'all. I'm ready. Bring it. What is your reaction um, to hearing a prophecy, Mary so, Kay? So I took it more so in the context of these prophecies, which are not biblical. They are not trying to help you out. They are not trying to hurt you. They are just there. Um, and to a just there prophecy, I punch you in the throat and tell you to keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> I do not want to know. I don't want to know. You want to read my palm? I will slap you in the face. So here's what... You trying to read my tarot cards? I will flip this table. <laughs> so yes. I've had I've had my tarot read, and they did warn me about getting pregnant, which I immediately did. Um, in spite of See, being, that's the thing. Like, what is in spite chicken of being, or egg? I don't want to know. They in spite of, well, read I was my on, palm, and I almost drowned the next I was, day. I was on the pill, you know, like there was no reason for it to happen. So, you know. Um, also, then I since had my palm read and that person told me that the, my current relationship at the time was very meaningful and it may not last forever but it was going to go on much longer and we broke up within the year i also had a friend in college who read palms but he was like i can only do it when i'm drunk i have to be more uninhibited like it's such an awesome responsibility to like know your future in your hand and i was like okay harry whatever and the one time he got drunk and was like, okay, I'll, I'll look at it. I'll look at it. He looked at my hand for like 10 seconds. He was like, I can't, Mary, I can't. And he got real upset. And I was like, what am I, like the second coming of Christ? And he was like, not exactly. I was like, what does not exactly the second <laughs> coming of Christ mean? Oh, no. That's not a thing you can say. 
Uh, well, you've never punched me in the throat. And granted, I don't go around telling you. I'm telling you prophecy. Yeah, thank you. My mom tries to do that all the time and be like, so this is what... Don't, don't keep that shit to yourself. I don't care what Julia said on YouTube. I really don't want to know. <laughs> That's the one she likes the best. She's Greek. Anyway, let's talk about the Mothman. The Mothman. So I have some source information outside of the movie. And I know that we typically stay in the text of the movie. And I like it that way. However, if y'all have not seen the Mothman documentary by Small Town Monsters, it is streaming on Amazon, on Amazon Prime. So it's free to stream. I'll link to it in the show notes. And aside from the narrator, like, mispronouncing a couple of the names, which happens, it was so scary. Like, I was texting y'all while it was happening and like the first 10 minutes I was like I can't do this like the the illustrations were so fucking spooky they they were animated so immediately you're like oh this is gonna be campy and dumb and in a way it was because it very much seemed like the reenactment that Ken Hotote does in the cursing <laughs> of Pon- like when he curses the Pawnee yep. Harvest Festival on Parks and Rec which is um, one of the best things. Yeah, it's one of the best episodes, I think. But it's the reenactment that they do on the Purge show when there's like a big burst and then Leslie's face turns into like a burning skull. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, it was exactly like that. That's how the car <laughs> looked. Except but- for this shit is so scary, y'all. I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch the whole thing. My girl, I tr- I watched that a few nights later, and I just fell asleep straight in the middle. And I I well, realized okay, <laughs> no, I think I think part of it is that so I lived in West Virginia, and this is like this is like one of the campfire story. Like this mm-hmm. is like the like a big part of West Virginia mythology. Right. They used to have a festival every year, but I mean not this year because of COVID, but mm-hmm. yeah. They would in West Virginia. West Virginia has some really, really fascinating mythology and some really fascinating relationships to its own mythology. So I think that might be part of that is that, you know, I lived among people for whom it was like, oh, yeah, Mothman. And it was like a given, like, mm-hmm. maybe it'll happen to you. Maybe it won't. Ha! Like, like what, what, what are you going to fucking do? <laughs> so it was just taken so in stride. Yeah. That for me, it was kind of like. Yes, I have heard all of this before, and I think that's part of the reason my brain was like, it's okay to take a break. So one of the colloquialisms that I adored in the documentary, because the West Virginia accent is so unlike, to me, any of the other Southern accents. Like, it's very... I can't really understand the distinction, but it is distinct, Mm -hmm. and... The one of the people that they interviewed in the in the documentary said, um, you know, the people who were out looking for the Mothman, because this is what was happening in the 60s. People would go and like have a stakeout like they were looking for Santa up in the sky type thing. You know, when you were a kid and you'd have a flashlight outside and your parents would be like, do you see him? Do you see Rudolph? No, no one, just me. No, my family actually climbed up on the roof at the farm in Wisconsin and, and tromped around with jingle bells. 
Okay, so you. And they were like, so they they were like, yeah, they were like, don't go outside. He'll if he if you see him, he'll have to leave. Yeah, Um, and it was just my uncle George up there with jingle bells. Um, what I was gonna say is that that's how they reacted. Like, they only had two questions about the Mothman. Number one, can I shoot it? Mm. And number two, if there's more than one, can I shoot two? <laughs> so those were that's what the guy said. And then I wanted to tell y'all a story because I I was um, talking to my dad about what we were doing this movie, and he said that um, he and his brother, like their parents, went out, or my grandparents went out. To, like, to a party or something and they were like 12 and 14 so like old enough to be at home alone mm-hmm. with the neighbors home and stuff uh, but they lived um in Hampton Georgia which is real country now but it was real real country then and they saw um a light in the sky and they were like well it's a you know a flying saucer so my uncle who was 14 had like a little moped to get around town on and my dad and him got their uh, shotguns and got on the bike and rode down to the plant and asked the guard there. They're like, we saw something in the sky. And he was like, yeah, I saw it too. And they're, and he was like, well, we're here. What are we going to do? Like, we're ready to fight. And uh, they got on the roof. They went home and they got on the roof and, like, staked out what they were trying to find. And then, you know, my grandparents came home and my grandma was like, you deal with this. And she went in the house. <laughs> and then my grandfather was like, um, so uh, what are y'all doing up there with all of that artillery? <laughs> and uh, they told him, and he was like, yeah, I saw that earlier too. I think it was um, the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> y'all don't shoot at that. Come down. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't lit up or anything, so they were like, we're the home guard. Let's do this. Like, we're just going down, 12- and 14-year-old country it. boys. I get it. So, you know, I lived on military bases so much of my life, including ones with a lot of, you know, aircraft, right? And uh, so I, now I live in a retirement community. What I'm not used to <laughs> is super low-flying aircraft. Right. And here, it's like a double, triple upsetting thing. Because there's, why would there ever be aircraft here? When there is, it's helicopters. And when there are, they're, I mean, they're, they're almost barely clearing the houses. They're so low because if there's a helicopter out here, it means someone wandered right. out of their house and we can't find them. Oh, oh no. I was right. thinking they were being life flighted. No, no, not even like if they're flying that low with the lights on they're they're we're trying to find somebody. Oh, that so is it's just, really upsetting. Oh, it's just horrifying. You know, so I like, still think the Mothman would upset me more. Well, but, yes. I just mean that, like, I, you know, lights in the sky that are in odd shapes or odd patterns. Like, since I was a little kid, I've been like, yeah, I just don't know what that aircraft is. I'm fine. <laughs> it's good. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing that, like, because like, I was a New Yorker, too. Like, I, I know what a helicopter looks like. Right. But seeing and you know what that, an airplane looks like if you live right. in Atlanta. Right. <laughs> but seeing them that, just seeing them that low is discon- uh-huh. like really, like disconcerting for me and then once my parents explained to me like oh this is what what's happening if you see that i was like oh i hate all of i think i I hate that all of the elements we're not really gonna go deep into these other iterations of this folklore but it's kind of like a recommended reading thing like if you're into this you might be into that 
the this movie is very 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 loosely adapted from the nonfiction book by John Keel. That's why he gets a writer's credit. Oh, by the way, we have a bookshop affiliate page and it lists all of the books that we've referenced on this show. So if you want to go dip into that at any time, this book and all the other ones that we've ever mentioned will be on there. Um, and it just kind of gives us a little kickback. Plus, my book is on there. And if you don't already have a copy of America's First Female Serial Killer, you must be new. So go get that shit. Buy her book. Be our best friend. <laughs> um, so that book, though, by John Keel, uh, called The Mothman Prophecies, is really interesting. So I've only read like the first quarter of it and I had it on audiobook. The narrator is amazing. Love him. But it, it's it's really just a lot of eyewitness accounts. And I love the way that the book does not try to make like force a causality among them. And I think the movie does. Like it's a very oh, yeah. straightforward narrative that ties up in a nice little bow at the end. And that's just not how these work. Like, that's not how this story in its original, iter- uh, original whatever, um, it doesn't appear that way. Where it's like, okay, this man is going to come here and he's going to deliver this prophecy and no one's going to know what it means until it's already beyond prevention. So what was the point of the prophecy? Yeah, and I don't know, I, I feel like more contemporaneously prophecy is not like the thing that makes mothman scary in west virginia like it's just scary to see a mothman yeah and he in the movie is not the scary part i know and i was like that's not no the scary part was that like immediately before a horrifying thing like in life the scary part was that like there was this giant beast with wings that you see before you die or meet some horrific accident. Well, right. That's and scary as shit. I, the movie was, the idea of injured cold is also very scary, but they're hate different. Hate it. Yeah, just different things. But I yeah, think these are very two different entities. Like I, like, I I have written for later to talk about that. I think that this as a movie is a really good piece of storytelling that's more inspired by what we get yeah. from that book. It is a it is a really nice story, but I do agree that I as the the um, the word that we use like the myths of the Mothman and the sightings that we've seen all throughout history is fucking fascinating, but also fucking terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this as as just the film itself, I felt was a very compelling story yeah yeah i think so too until i started doing the research about it and i was like oh no this is way more interesting yeah Mm -hmm. at the very the first time i saw this at the very end where it had like the the words like oh and then like the you know i'm like okay i don't need that like this is the movie that's the end i don't need all this extra stuff and then i was like wait a minute that bridge actually collapsed and then like my world was over it didn't just collapse when it collapsed, it killed 46 people, not 36. Right. But unlike the the movie, you know, kind of postscript there, we do know what happened. Like, we know exactly what right. beam failed. In fact, it led to major civil engineering legislation. Like, 
standards legislation afterwards. From what uh, I've heard as well, it is the most deadly bridge collapse on mm-hmm. U.S. soil. Yes. Yeah. This happened in 1967, I think, which I feel like not setting this movie in the 60s was egregious because we could have had all of this happen with prettier clothes. <laughs> exactly. All the same people. We haven't, like, we don't look that right. different. Like, right. you could have still had gorgeous Richard Gere. You could have had gorgeous Laura Linney. You could have had gorgeous Deb. Also, Deborah Messing, I want the kind of fucking life where I have five minutes of scream time. I spend all of them making out with Richard Gere, and I still get top billing, even though I die five minutes into the movie. <laughs> Amazing and that's the, agreed. <laughs> that's the clout I that's want. That's the dream. I basically <laughs> want to be an heiress. I just want to look cool and get paid for it. I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. Deborah Messing's amazing, but I, you know, just yeah. daydreaming about but being here. So really here. quick, while we're on the topic of the outfits, anytime I feel like this is very on brand for for Richard because anytime I think of him, I think of him in the exact same clothes he's wearing because he is just <laughs> yeah. he is he is the CEO of winter business attire. <laughs> he has a gray <laughs> overcoat always. With the gloves. <laughs> my gloves are scarf. built in t- my gloves are built into my overcoat. So speaking of of hands though, um, one of the things they say about the men in black in this book is that they had very long fingers, which freaked me the fuck out. Mm-mm. I also want to say this about the book too. It is very dated. To the point that he uses Oriental and Negroid in the same sentence, unironically. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 Yeah, no, no. and by Oriental, he means Middle Eastern. That's how old it is. <laughs> Yikey, shnikes. Yeah, and uh, like as Chase and I were listening to it on the way to Thanksgiving, outside, by the way, small numbers, um, he was like, what what and i was like this is an old ass book like (laughs) this is old it's not necessarily him um anyway so another thing about the bridge collapse that i want to talk about is um part of the other source material atlas obscura which i love since the beginning of lockdown has had these virtual experiences that's what they call them experiences which are basically lectures by Colin Dickey about different folklore and I paid to go to go you know go to the one about the Mothman and I am obsessed with him (laughs) he has written like eight books about American folklore and my favorite I wrote down like several quotes One of them is, the Silver Bridge was a shitty, shitty bridge. Any bridge inspector could have walked up and said, yeah, this is going to collapse. Prophecy. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't any surprise. Like, it was a shitty bridge. He was like, now, it wasn't the suspension bridge like the Brooklyn Bridge, which kicks ass. (laughs) The um, Brooklyn Bridge does kick ass. 
Yeah. So the other big takeaway that I took from that talk, which I found both mind melting and fascinating, is that those prophecies, if that's what they were, sucked. They didn't prevent anything from happening. What was the point of the prophecy if that's what it was? Right. And then he... Oh, so sorry. it wasn't a prophecy then, probably, in real life. In the movie, it absolutely was a prophecy. A cause B cause C. And that's how the narrative worked. Um, in in the actual events, though, he... And, and I'm going to do my best to really simplify this metaphor because, like I said, it melted my mind. And I consider myself, like, a fairly smart person. I mean, until I hear this theory or, like put the milk back in the cabinet and the cereal in the fridge on accident. <laughs> right, right. Um, but that's usually because I'm focusing on something else when I do some bullshit like that. Anyway, okay. So, he said there's two, like, schools of thoughts about... Schools of thought about aliens. One is extraterrestrial. There are other beings here to see us for whatever reason, right? That, un- that alone is too freaky for me. I, y'all know aliens are in my trifecta of shit I can't handle. So going into learning about this was, it was brave of me. Yeah, I said it. It was brave of me. I was the bravest bitch. It's <laughs> like when Michael Scott was like. <laughs> you brave heart. You I brave heart. <laughs> brave heart. That's like when Michael Scott said, like when he says that he's a hero. Yeah. Okay. Or when he says he braveheart. I braveheart. <laughs> when he's trying to jump on that bounce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Just to be you, man. I couldn't do it. <laughs> what about Jan? Lovely, lovely, lovely Jan. Jan. <laughs> oh, it's not so good anymore. <laughs> I just saw Mary's knee. It is true. I can verify she is wearing shorts and a metallic parka. Someone take a screenshot. Listen, everyone needs to know. Okay. Everyone. Okay. Everyone needs to know. Everyone. Everyone. under an Afghan. It's crochet. Also, <laughs> uh, for the vast majority of this recording, on her pinky peach millennial colored crocheted Afghan her cat has been closer to the camera than she is, <laughs> sleeping peacefully and staring into the camera like, why you bitches trying so hard? <laughs> okay, second school of thought on extraterrestrial. Fine. It has okay. a different name. It was like intraterrestrial or transterrestrial. What? I don't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. And that is okay, and I have made peace with that, and accepted it, and moved on. Okay, that's nice. Discussion. That's nice for you, but I need to know what that is. I'm gonna tell you about it. I just oh, don't remember God. what it's called. Oh, okay. So I do remember that he recommended a book called Passport to Magonia by Jacques Vallee, which is in our affiliate links, so you can go get it there. Um, and in this book, Passport to Magonia. Uh, Vali explains the roadside picnic theory, which is that, you know, you say you pull over on the side of the road, you get out all your picnic stuff, you have your picnic, you get up and you and you take all of your trash with you. 
the ants that come along after that can tell something happened, but they can't make sense of what happened or why or what it has to do with Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, the roadside picnic analogy that we are supposed to associate with extraterrestrial life. So in that sense, the sightings make a lot more sense because they are not explained. Does that make sense? Yes, Mm -hmm. it does. I feel like that was a haiku, by the way, because it didn't make sense. I used the same words in like four different orders. It's basically like the the menu of Taco Bell, right? Like all the ingredients are the the same. (laughs) Beef, taco, burrito, crunch, taste, Dorito. (laughs) What? Baja Blast. Rap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so. So yeah, um, <laughs> but what I what I thought you what I thought you were going with it with the extra versus intraterrestrial was that instead of thinking of it as outward as like another planet, it was more of like they are amongst us here, right? And that is part of it too. But my brain couldn't wrap around right. all of that before it was like meow, 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 so. Melted. But while we're so I just wanted to throw this part that I wrote in the outline into that idea because when I was watching this, because the last episode, we not the last one, but the one before on Jin, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that kept coming back to me as we were watching this because it was the idea that we talked about in that episode is that it doesn't have good or bad or completely neutral and they just kind of... Mm-hmm do whatever and then when he was talking to um what's his name um who uh when when john was talking to alexander was it leak Mm -hmm. he said peel backwards real real clever very disguised yeah i know he said like (laughs) a bunch of things um that i wrote down like oh my god he said so much conflicting shit go ahead in regards to this he said they're they're a normal condition of the planet. Mm-hmm. Their motives aren't human. Mm-hmm. One thing that he really said, one thing he said I really liked was, if your friend is talking to God, he's off by a few degrees. Um, which to me... Talking about Gordon. Yeah, talking about mm-hmm. Gordon. If, mm-hmm. if your friend Gordon is talking to God, he's off by a few degrees. Yeah, that was very disturbing. Me, which tells me that it's in sort of the some like like celestial mm-hmm. right, right sphere it's not god but it, it ain't us mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then at the end when he was like i can't talk about this anymore ladies when we were done recording that the one one of the guys that i was talking to and he was you know telling me some of these other things about it he's like you know growing up we always say don't talk about it about them at length because it attracts them. And he was like, okay, good night. <laughs> After we just did like how long of talking about gin and I slept with the light on. Look, so that dude, Keel, I was like, what is this reductive ass bullshit? Like, 
If you've got a bumper sticker for every question this guy has, then either you've answered these questions a bunch of times, like you've had the practice to develop the bumper sticker answer, in which case, talk to somebody like, oh my God, start shouting somewhere, find other like-minded people, something, or um, you're too pithy. We need to talk to someone who takes us seriously. So I actually read that differently. And that leads us into one of my next points, which was that everyone in this film reacts to their prophecies differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why I kind of wanted to start us off with like, what would you do? Um, And Alexander's reaction right in the beginning is try to prevent these catastrophes from happening. So go warn everyone. And basically everyone was like, oh, so you're the one who's doing this shit. So did you, is this a bomb threat? Is that what's happening, Alexander? I mean, I've seen those episodes of SVU where like the person (laughs) reports the thing to like watch the police chase them for the thing. Yeah. 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 So then because because he knows how it how it happens like and this is the i think the most akin to the greek um, reaction of kings to prophecies which is i'm going to try to prevent the prophecy from happening and that will make the thing happen Mm -hmm. the act of trying to prevent it will make it actually happen go in full oedipus full oedipus rex alexander yeah like full boil but Mm -hmm. full oedipus um Mm -hmm. (laughs) just self-sabotage all over the place yeah um yeah so then when alexander realizes that's what he's doing he's like i'm not talking about it i don't want to know about it i don't want to hear anything as soon as it happens to me i'm going to pretend like it didn't happen because if i pretend it didn't happen for long enough i can kind of absolve myself of any accountability for it because trying to do something about it backfired too Right, right. Which, like... So... Fair. I mean, I... I don't know. Like, what would a contemporary Cassandra do? When you know no one will believe you anyway, do you still keep talking? Or does that create a... Well, no, I'm saying a contemporary Cassandra, right? Like... Well, that's kind of his position. Right. right, The the prophet no one believes. Do you keep talking? Or do you... If you recognize that's creating a problem that doesn't need to exist, do you just stop talking even though you know it's going to happen? I I mean... What is the I mean, that's a hard question. Yeah. I wouldn't want that burden. Like when we were talking about Jeepers Creepers and the woman who comes to the jail and she's like, look, look, don't go to this house. I would not want that problem. I would not want second sight. I don't want it. Miss me with it. Okay. So let's talk about some of these reactions then, Mary Kay. Tell me beyond my knee jerk about Alexander that was like, how are you? How are you the bumper sticker dude? Right. About terrifying I mean, he prophecy. was very cocky and arrogant and kind of, un- and very unhelpful in the beginning. Yeah, I was like, some of these bumper stickers are even useful, like, imagery-wise. Which means that if someone's asking you about them, they would benefit from you expanding on that imagery. Like, Why are you just running them through the middle of Pittsburgh like you're in a fucking West Wing episode? I mean... <laughs> To give it credit, some of it, like you said, the imagery, the way that it was spoken and written, it gave it like a, a 
like a nice like eh, like a nice flex like a eh. but they were riddled <laughs> like with, I, they were I riddled with holes like okay so Mary Kay that theory of the picnic mm-hmm. roadside picnic I like that. it's it holds up but when he said that whole cockroach analogy bullshit <laughs> and he's like you don't ask you know the cockroach is like Okay, well, bitch, this thing is literally speaking to me, so that completely right. invalidates. This is talking to me. I'm also, also, I speak to things that don't understand me all the time. All the time. Like, from my pets who understand some things, but not nearly, not nearly any semblance Not of actual language. Right. right. Buster will stare me in the eye and be so receptive when I'm just like, what do you want from me? And he's like, oh, I, and I know his brain is like, oh, I didn't want anything. I'm just looking at you because you looked at me and I love you. Like, those cats will just keep meowing back at me indefinitely. I know there's nothing fucking happening. They're just like, well, she likes this. I'll talk to my plants. I'll be like, the fuck do you need? <laughs> and they're like, we need you to stop. Orchid. Do you, are you thirsty or not? <laughs> <laughs> answer girl, me girl just let her <laughs> let her let her dry most of the way out let her get a little pop down she's good um like i i think as i know i i've been reading i've read all these plant books now i've gotten real weird about it um and i still will just like stare at them for a while like they're gonna do shit in front of me like yes yes quote unquote superior beings care tremendously about their quote-unquote lesser beings. That is why we have pets. That is why we have things like plants. That is why we cultivate. That is why we nurture. A zoo, an hell, aquarium. Hell, that's yeah, why we, we, we have children for the first several years. That's a very squishy thing. Yeah. I also, while, while you're talking about it being a pet analogy, it, it kind of seems like, you know when an animal is about to run into the road? And you do a whole bunch of crazy shit just to get their attention. Yes. And they're like, what do you mean? And then they get hit or whatever. Something bad happens. Mm -hmm. But they didn't know how to interpret the warning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because they don't know human. Well, most of them. My parents had a dog a while back that learned way too much English for my taste. I want my dogs to be kind of dumb. So they just do whatever I say. Right. And we, and yeah, Deborah Messing was the only one who could understand Mothman Screech. Yeah, well, that's why she shouldn't have died in the first five minutes. It would have been a much more interesting movie if at least one person could understand it. And then everyone else was like trying to navigate getting the prophecies, but not understanding. And she was trying to navigate understanding them, but not getting them. Like you would like it if there was a Cassandra rather than just Alexander. Someone who was like, this is what's happening. Listen to me. I mean, like an interpreter. I think that I think that would have created some conflict if our lead was not the person who actually had the most information all the time or the best information all the time. I also think that this is a great example of a movie from 2002 in which a very handsome and, you know, hypothetically talented, you know, white dude character um is able to just keep telling his boss to fuck off for two hours. <laughs> yeah, and didn't his boss also have, like, a weirdly transatlantic accent? <laughs> well, of course, they worked in the newspaper business, you see? Um, 
He worked for the. I was party. like, "What are we doing here now?" No, he was like, "Come to the come to the Christmas party, huh?" And he was. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded a little Jimmy Stewart. And you'll never get my body either. <laughs> <laughs> I just pretended to smash a glass. I didn't. Have... Um, but yeah, and he's like, "No, Mary's waiting for me." Also, when when uh, Steve from Sex in the City is like, "She's not Mary by a long shot," I'm like, "Yeah, no bitch is." a mary is a singular experience you're right (laughs) you will never love again you will never be sexually satisfied again you should probably just die alone (laughs) just kidding kind of um anyway back to the reactions to the prophecies so mary the singular experience that is mary her immediate reaction is, there's something wrong with me. Fair enough, yo. She go, But she goes, like, very scientific with it. She doesn't look at it as though it's a monster or an omen. She right. internalizes it right away, and she's like, take me to the doctor. Which, like... Which is a very 2002 thing to do. Also, just fair and smart. Like, hey, I'm not sure that I'm hearing and seeing all the right things. Let's see a doctor. Yeah. But back in the day, that's not how that would have been interpreted. It's a very, it's like a, not generational, but an era type thing. So before we had science, it was like, oh, this is a monster. It, it means that God's mad at you. Before that, it was, oh, this mm, is, mm. you know, a, a divine symbol. It means that God is proud of you because this is a miracle that this happened to you. So mm. it's very interesting that the, the way that the characters react because... John has the other very contemporary reaction, which is impossible. Tell me more. <laughs> like he's immediately like a naysayer, and then he's like, "I'm gonna run you through a bunch of tests, right?" Um, but he, yeah. he his reaction is to injured cold, which uh, Mary did not encounter. She did not. Um, well, and I I wondered about the inclusion of the the tumor there. And the, the suggestion that had been there for a long time. I was like, what? Are we undercutting our shit here? Like, yeah, is the, the convention didn't hold up when you looked at it too hard. I was like, is, is the idea then that she was already sick, so she's vulnerable to the Mothman? Are the Mothman and Indrid not the same thing? Is, like, the Mothman, like, ascending? They seem to act in her, like, In relation. I, I felt like maybe the Mothman was ascending of Indrid. Okay. But if but he's always, like, bringing up upon a prophecy. So what is Mary's involvement in the prophecy? And here's where we got into trouble. The rest of the movie, there is some, some pattern, some convention. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Mary, it's like, I am chilling, living my best life. Making out with Richard Gere in closets. I have beautiful <laughs> in eyes. other people's closets. <laughs> I have beautiful eyes when you look at them up close. And then she's driving and Mothman is just like, bitch. And just like consumes her. Yeah. And I was like, what? First of all, why is he in DC? That's not a fucking thing. Secondly, why does he care about this cup? What? That's not a fucking thing yeah like yeah, none of the that exposition narrative did not hold up with the rest of it no it was entirely there to generate 
investment in John as our lead character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, like, as much as I love an exposition narrative in which a fascinating woman dies to make a boring man more interesting, (laughs) I actually hate it and want it to die. Oh, man, I could not wait to hear where the end of that sentence happened. Because the beginning of it was so great. <laughs> was, the, was the end not as good? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I I laughed, but I laughed at the right time. Thank you. No, I just, well, there was nowhere else to go with it. I was just like, no, I... I know, you did it all in the first half. It was all downhill from there. I was just like, I don't... No, there's nothing... No, you wasted Deborah Messing. Yep. She's a tremendous performer. Mm-hmm. Incredibly. She's so charismatic that you were fully bought into the idea of her as a lead character from a couple of flashes in the credits. Like, you were on it. Y'all named her Mary, and don't think I don't fucking know, but that's meant to make her fucking saintly and not a real whole-ass woman. Like, I, I, my name is Mary. I've been looking for... Cool Marys in media forever. Y'all make them. Like. So speaking of Saintly Mary, every time. It's me. Indrid Cold gives a prophecy. He starts with do not be afraid, which is very similar to what biblical angels do. Which is is say, be not afraid. And then they get, they deliver you some good news. But isn't that also because they are terrifying looking? I so, think so. Yes, my dad and actually... And so is prophecy. Well, my dad did a whole sermon about about this exact thing that, that angels need to say, do not be afraid, mm-hmm. when they appear a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember exactly how long ago. It might have been a year or two now. But he he talked about the fact that, you know, you know we hear the, like, the nativity story mm-hmm. or the story of, of Christ's, like, a conception and birth and you know as angels appear throughout the story whether to mary or to the shepherds the first thing they have to say is do not be afraid right because being confronted with the immensity of eternity however it physically manifests to you and we don't know because there's no description in the bible of what these these entities right. look like to the people experiencing them um but the immensity of mm-hmm. this this thing is it is so inherently terrifying that the first thing they say is do not be afraid. Um, and I kind of love that because I'm sorry if I, if someone were to announce to me that I, a virgin, were pregnant, that would be a scary thing no matter what you looked like. Super scary. If I were out Especially in, the- in that time period. If I were chilling with some sheep in the middle of a field and you just manifest to me, I don't care what you look like. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared. So, fair enough. So, I think the main distinction is when the angels say it, they mean it. They are sincere. <laughs> you don't need to be afraid. I'm coming to tell you good things that are going to happen. Glad tidings. When this alien says it, of great joy. all kinds of crazy danger happens. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of me. Be afraid of the shit I'm telling you about. 
It's not you who's going to die. It's 99 people on the flight out of Denver. Hey, Mm -mm. you know what? I'm just a friend. Unlike the 36 people who will die on a bridge. Basically. Yeah, so I, I couldn't understand making that illusion and not doing anything with it. Such a missed opportunity, given that biblical imagery is so generally accessible in this culture. Mm -hmm. Like, even people who are not religious have internalized a lot of this because it's such an underpinning. Um, Yeah. I mean, we have a whole season for Christmas. Also, for Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. Yeah, though, no, I'm not saying that those don't happen or exist, but but Christmas has a whole season. That's what I'm saying. There's a reason we, we call it the Christmas season, and we've only started calling right. it the holiday season because people were like, oh, we're, we're, my religion's not the only one. We're, we're, we're. Mm-hmm. And Fair. Mary Kay, in that regard, like, such a missed opportunity. Be not afraid. And... and I know, I know that you've laughed at this already, but um, I felt like injured coal was made to be such a joke that any time, like once he had a name, <laughs> <laughs> once he had the name, I just couldn't take it seriously anymore. I'm it like, is oh, such a banana's name. Is- <laughs> and I told the girls, listeners, I was like, that's like... Back in, like, AOL when we were on AIM, that's, like, when the uh, pops up on the screen, like, Lonely Wolf Night Stalker underscore 92 has entered the chat. But, like, Lonely Wolf Night Stalker is all written and leaked. Like, instead of, like, I, it's a one. Oh and Wait, what did you call that? It's written in what? Leaked. L-E-E-T. Like, uh, so, you know, like, if you, instead of using, like, the letter, like in lonely, instead of O, like Oscar, mm-hmm. it's you use the the number zero. zero. You you replace yeah. letters with n- letters. Yeah, but what is that term? I've never heard leet? that. Before. It's just it's just when you write like that. So when if you look at it, oh. lonely, but with an O, with the zero instead of O, and and a three instead of the E. Yeah, that's called yeah. leet. It's huh. like an early. Or like mid two thousand thing, or I don't know, but and then just and then well, that's the name of this for sure. And then when he gets on, Indrid Cold and Leet has entered the chat. <laughs> and then when when Indrid Cold is on the telephone, <laughs> I I can't I couldn't stop thinking of that um, movie that's now a show on Hulu. What's it called? Like What We Do in the Shadows. I love what we do in the shadows. It made me think of that. I just couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, no. <laughs> it's it's no, no, so, no. so good. It's so good. Also, so the, the movie, the movie itself is just fucking phenomenal. And then the same people who created the movie uh, created the show. So it, it retains that same kind of like sense of spirit of like, Totally terrifying, disgusting horror that is also hilarious. Also, our boyfriend Doug Jones is in it. Oh, cool! And he has my—he is like the main feature in my absolute favorite episode. It's just so good. Also, one of the lead guys is like peak, just 
deliriously sexy Middle Eastern man. And on the show, he is so unsexy that the first time you see a photo of him, you're like... Yeah, kind of like um, the down. husband in Thirst. Yeah! <laughs> yes, you just get mowed yeah, down. Yeah, you're like, exactly. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. That's it? Oh, no. Besides the fact that the historical... Silver Bridge collapse happened in the beginning of December or mid-December. Um, why would you set this at Christmas time? Because Richard Gere looks good in overcoats. Okay, okay. I'm sure that was actually something that someone in the room said. Uh, I mean, I feel like the main connection is to connect it to the Christmas story, like the first Christmas. The main reason. Hmm. No? Ex- expand. Well, I mean, we we talked about the parallels of that prophecy and announcement. Okay. But I don't know why else. Like, I, I was, I didn't, that wasn't a leading question. I really wanted to know what y'all thought. Honestly, I'm not sure. I, so, the original, the actual bridge collapse was in early December. Yeah. Um, but... Other than that, I, I was like, this is kind of the worst time of year to photograph, like, Western Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, like, that part of the country. Yeah. Like, it's, there's so many points in the year where this place is stunningly beautiful. Yeah. And you decided to photograph it at a point where there is neither snow nor vegetation. Well, I wonder if there's something to that, because mm-hmm. it's one thing for someone to come to your house when when it's easy to get around when the roads are frozen and someone shows up at your door i mean gordon's reaction is accurate right like get the fuck off my property stop showing up here yeah i loved gordon that actor is amazing he always is like I, i i really loved him and i loved I noticed his role in the story, you know, he wasn't, it's not like he was foolish or backwoods or like he, Mm -mm. you, and especially because they initially played into the idea that you might assume. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That it had to do with, um, with him being, you know, country or mountain, but really it's that he, he was suffering through these prophecies. Yeah. He had been stalked by an alien. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I do love his about face, too. Like, when he realizes what's up, he's like, okay, I'm literally all ears. So here, my thing he was He turns like, into an ear. Yeah. So my thing was, like, I was watching this, and I was like, man, get you a man who believes your uncanny premonitions about supernatural entities. Better yet, get you a man who doesn't believe you initially. But is totally on board by the midpoint turn because I like to be right. So I would love to be right and him be wrong and then him realize I'm right and have to say I'm right. Mm-hmm. But then he's then, you know, he's got my back. And so if the worst happens and I've gone full Cassandra, you know, at least my man is there. That's what I'm looking for in a man. Gentlemen, if you would support me. If I start experiencing supernatural entities, just let us know. I haven't. I won't. But, you know. 
I do feel like there's something to that mythology of isolation that you mentioned mm-hmm. to Mary, where um, Connie is the police chief, and she says basically like. We've just been getting a lot of weird reports. Yeah, yeah. Like, she doesn't discredit them, and she doesn't give them credit either. She's just, like, just weird stuff that people are saying they're seeing. Well, yeah, you know, um, even even within the state of West Virginia, um, because of the mountains, like, certain places are more isolated than others, there are parts of the state where it's not uncommon to just not have an accent or not have much of one. Mm-hmm. Um... And then there's mango, which sounds like that. Uh, like, that's that's the accent. It's so... Pro- the rest of West Virginia makes fun of Mingo County for the way they sound because they're just walled off just right that they developed their own accent. That is, is it the big spike in the outline of the state? Because when I saw the outline of the state, I was like, Wow. Mm-hmm. That one little spike at the top. Like, it, it's, it's it's not a large area, but, like, we get a kid at the facility. Is that Hatfield and McCoy area? Yes. Yes, I had Hatfields and McCoys. Holy shit. It's, well, first of all, it's wild. Like, the Hatfields and McCoys are still a thing. It's not what it used to be, mm-hmm. but it is still a thing. Like, we had kids on the facility that were starting shit with each other because they were Hatfields and McCoys. We had kids who weren't Hatfields and McCoys whose families just went so far back. Even where we were, Parkersburg is one of the bigger cities in the state. It's not, that's not the backwoods, but still there was this kind of feel like everyone was related to someone. Like everyone knew everyone, Mm -hmm. everyone was related to everyone. That's funny. My ancestors are McCoys from Appalachia, but they're from- Oh shit. But they're from Kentucky. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't like the the West Virginia McCoys. They were like, no, we ain't them. We 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 ain't them. We got <laughs> we, right we got them hillbilly music. Don't worry, but uh, we ain't them. We ain't them them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mingo County. We uh, still we still have our um, family reunions, uh, on the McCoy farm. So, you also have. I also found that like kids from different parts in the state each had their own, their own ghost stories, their own mythology, mm-hmm. and even when kids knew other parts of the state's stuff, it wasn't the same as the kids who grew up there. Like they had a different way of talking about it or a different way of sharing it. So we did not allow them to tell each other ghost stories because it got too real, and then the children were actually scared, even though they were teenagers, and. We could not any, get any of them to go to sleep for the next, like, four nights. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> and as a child, I would have been very grateful that you put a stop to that because I fucking hated that shit when I was a kid. Same. <laughs> I um, want to talk about, speaking of the ghost stories and folklore of the area, um, that there is some... North American First Nations mythology around the creature that is the Mothman. Um, and it's loosely associated with the Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Tell um, us more. Well, I don't know a whole lot more, to be honest. I know that they used to bring all the children and everyone inside 
when they heard the Thunderbirds coming because the Thunderbirds would just like scoop up a kid um, and go mm-hmm. along. Sound like dragons to me. Sound um, like the Jeepers Creepers guy to me. <laughs> for real. Well, that's what he's based on is this. Mm-hmm. I think we, we, we talked about we talk, that yeah. in, this ep- in that episode. I don't know very much more about it, to be honest. I just thought it was worth mentioning that the story had evolved from that. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any particular familiarity with that. It makes sense to me. Um, but I'm not... Yeah, I think that the one of the things that could have made this movie a little bit, like, longer-lasting... Not longer at runtime, but, like... Oh, thank God. Stand the test of time. I was going to say, no, it was long um, enough. <laughs> yeah, it did feel long, especially towards the end. Um, but... Uh, some of the production elements, they're not quite dated yet, but I think in maybe a couple years, it's going to look like Poltergeist does to us now, mm-hmm. where like the TV static isn't really a thing. And I think that setting this in the 60s, but still having it made in the 2000s would have prevented that. Yeah, just let it be what it actually is. Like, do the thing it is. Well, yeah, and then, you know, I have the whole soapbox about nonfiction, which is that, you know, you don't ever want to... I mean, and this movie is not nonfiction. Like, it does not say that at all. It says it's loosely based on these events. But I feel like so much was adapted out that was actually scary Mm -hmm. that um, I'm not sure that as an adaptation it is very successful. Is that yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Well, no, and I, I also feel like so we're given this like insight, like we're given this like person who joins the community and helps us learn about it. And I was like, well, why am I supposed to identify with this Washington Post reporter who's like a hot, right, white dude in his 30s yeah, like 40s. make it a normal person. Yeah, like, identify more with Connie. Exactly, like, Connie was the better route in. Yeah. And I was like, well, what? You structured it this way because you thought you were supposed to because economically, this is what the industry said was right at the time. Connie couldn't pick a fucking it, side of her life dependent on. I couldn't stop laughing at her. I yeah, thought but, she was, Well, you were laughing at her and not Richard Gere? Okay, that's, that's a completely different story. <laughs> that's a different story. We're talking about Connie, okay? The woman who was like... Yeah, I saw this this lady. She was looking for her for you. He goes, yeah, that was my dead wife. No, no, no. Yeah, and he shows a picture. Is that her? She goes, oh, mm, she um, thinks. She well, thinks her hair, her hair was different. Um, to her, to and her like, credit, in that moment, Connie thinks that John is devolving. Like she thinks that John is like losing Gordon. his mind, and she doesn't want him to die. And she's just trying to like. The way I'm watching, the way she switched up so fast to me, I I just I was laughing outright. I was like, she was as soon as he pulled out that picture, she was like, ah, ah, nope, that was not her. That she is just a dead woman, and I am here now. Well, okay, so I hear everything you're saying, Rachel. I do want to go on the record in her defense a little bit as the more accessible character because I saw this movie probably 15 years ago for the Mm -hmm. first time 
And the only part of it I remembered was Connie's dream. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's the but, bridge but collapse, also, right? Well, yes, but it's not the bridge collapsing. It's her underwater hearing mm-hmm. wake up number 37 while all these Christmas presents are floating around her. That's what I'm that's saying. That's the like, only part I remember. And the red eyes, because that's the that thing. That, me. that is the prophecy. That is the dream. The elements that are not exactly but the I bridge collapse. But I remembered it from her perspective. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, no, it, it, it was because for that character to disclose, like, not only have I had a prophetic dream, but this is what it is in such vivid imagery right. is a compelling moment for the character who's been like, I don't believe in all this, but I believe in these people. Yeah. To then say, okay, I'm one of these people. It's a big well, right. And then, so that's what I'm saying. There was a point to where she's seeing, she's going through it. She's seeing some of the evidence stack up. And she goes and she says, when he comes back from DC, and she says, all of these people saw the same thing. A lot of them were even other police officers. She mm-hmm. is scared, and she's starting to believe. And then there's this moment later where he says, something's going to happen. I know something's going to happen. She, you know, she's already told about this dream. She's already taken the bait that she's starting to see the evidence stack up. And then she says, what if nothing happens? And I was like, okay, but then what if something does happen? Right. Like, well, if I nothing think, happens, then you have nothing to lose. But if something does happen, then... I didn't think that question was about her. I thought it was about him. Like, what will you do if nothing happens? Mm. Like, but, what what would that mean to you? Like, I know you believe this, so if nothing happens, then what's next? Right. Because that's what happens with prophecies, that's what I right? It's like, oh, we misread it. It's yeah. actually May 9th, not May second, or whatever. <laughs> and then Leslie, Leslie, no pass to reserve you a bunch of ice creams and shit. Yeah, right. And then Ron bounces a check for his recorders. Yep. Whatever happened to that guy that had like that whole doomsday thing, and then people were actually like trying to pay people, like come take care of my pets when I go to the whatever. Oh God, I don't even know. You remember that? Know. Like the, was it 2012? It was after that. Yeah, like 2020 yeah it was 2012. Or something, something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's but, how I read that moment anyway. I don't know if that's how it was intended, but that's how I read that moment was her yeah. trying to like, kind of shake him awake that like, if, if it doesn't happen, the other side of this is going to be, you know, dark and upsetting anyway but more specifically I mean for I you. understand that but if it was I don't know this big event someone saying to me I think something really bad's gonna happen don't go there are other people who can go for you don't go I'm gonna say you know what maybe maybe I sent this one out <laughs> but here's maybe. the thing if he said if the if the verdict is a bad thing's going to happen. Other people can go for you. Would you be like, yes, I will oh, send yeah, other people to die. That's a right. good point. Yeah. If you actually believe that. I want to say too, I just want to take a moment and say that Connie is a good cop. Mm-hmm. She is great at de-escalating that situation between mm-hmm. Gordon yes. and John in the mm-hmm. beginning. She takes people's testimonies seriously 
She writes them down, even though she doesn't necessarily put a lot of stock in them. She doesn't discredit them. She's not disrespectful about them. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go on record and say, yeah, that's the kind. That's what you need. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. People who like do listening, listening instead of muscling. Mm-hmm. Who treat people respectfully instead of powerfully. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, wait, Rachel, talk to talk to us about some of these production elements. Oh, I just yeah. saw some, I just noticed a few things that like didn't drive the story forward or make a huge impact. I just noticed some like a couple of things that were really cool. So, do you remember that moment when his ear starts bleeding? Yeah. But and the conjunctivitis. Those are like, yeah, I'm sorry. So Sorry. We're looking at him from the opposite side. So we he's looking at Gordon. Gordon's look we can see Gordon's face and we can only see the um one side Richard's face that's facing Gordon Richard, John. Mm-hmm. And Gordon's like your ears bleeding. And then that's when the camera kind of turns as John's turning his head and that's when you see it. It was just like a cool camera angle move I don't know what yeah. you would call that that until I started doing this with y'all and like with Mary's input um I don't think I ever would have really noticed or <laughs> um appreciated that till now I was like that was kind of a cool maneuver the way that they did that there was there was just some a couple of things like that like when at the end after that like really I think it was during that same time the really funny chapstick product placement I was um, like <laughs> I was like my do. You stuck your hand in a drawer. You picked up a fucking chapstick and you couldn't tell it was a chapstick until Indra told you. And then I remembered he's a straight dude. He's okay. never used a chapstick in his life. He just lets his lips be crusty. The only thing I'm going to, the only way I will ever stand up for this, this character is that at least we know he uses a good flavor of chapstick. Okay. If this dude knew what was good for him, he would be using that DHC lip cream like we do. I yeah. He's a basic PSA. white man. He's going to use chapstick, but at least he's not using just the the traditional brand. He has the strawberry or cherry, whatever color that was. It was it was cherry, which yes, and that's the you know my first flavor I had of that. It wasn't chapstick. It was a Pocahontas. So now every time I smell cherry chapstick, I think of Pocahontas. Now. So, one more thing. I think it was after <laughs> that chapstick moment um, where he's, like, standing in the full body mirror. And anytime he moves, like, the, the his reflection in the mirror has a delayed reaction. So, he moves and, that. and the, his reflection doesn't move until, like, half a second later. So, it's, like, delayed. And it's really creepy so a lot of this movie isn't this movie isn't scary this movie didn't scare me but like mm-hmm. little moments like that i was like ooh. you know i thought it was really scary and especially the voice on the phone and the fast talking i hate that the fast okay. talking i talk really fast do you hate me but no explain. like when like when they're like, I hate that. Mm. Like when he picks up the phone. Oh, oh! I thought you meant a person in like a character in the movie was talking fast, and I was like, No, when it's it's like interference, but it's like someone talking too fast. Oh, oh, oh. okay. 
So what it sounds like when my sister and I talk to each other. No. It's not Gilmore Girls level fast. It's like <laughs> sped up fast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but then there was like a few that really bothered me. So anytime you looked at the map, like the crossroads, it would be like, bah, that's the sign of the Mothman. Mothman. Oh, no, 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 no. Too much. Bah, on the map, Mothman. It was like, it was, he did it Mothman. so much. And then there was that time he was thinking about um, Mary and he looked up into this big rock wall and then there was like that big that hole. That one cut out looked like the nurse. <laughs> it was so dumb. I was like, like my dude, like, you are reaching. They kept putting like an inanimate object and they're like, oh, look, there's a big inanimate object or we're going to focus on something. Let's put meaning on it. Let's put a nurse's face or Mothman again. No, 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 Mothman again. It was yeah. too much. And then the, oh, this is your wake-up call. I didn't get a, oh, blah, 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 what? Wait, this is my wake up. Oh, my God. Listeners, it's important that you understand that that's exactly what Richard Gere did in that moment. He went full Scooby-Doo, just like <laughs> Rachel did. And went, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> when it someone was gave him. more like Tim Allen. <laughs> I did, of course I did. You know what my voice sounds like. It's fine. No, I mean, it's just more of a Tim Allen reaction to me. Scooby-Doo <laughs> is endearing Tim Allen, is that? <laughs> there it is. That's that's what Richard Gere sounded like. He sounded somewhere between, he did. A, somewhere between a Scooby-Doo and a Tim Allen reaction. <laughs> And uh, I think that's basically where Timothy Chalamet lives. Because he can live wherever he wants. It doesn't matter. He just does whatever he wants all the time. He's Timothy Chalamet. I don't understand what's happening anymore. You know what? It's fine. Um, because okay. we should wrap up. What is the scariest Christmas song? So I have two. Oh my God, go. Um, I feel like the obvious answer is Baby It's Cold Outside because it is so rapey. I heard the opposite. I've heard a lot of defense. That's fine. I just feel like that's the obvious choice. The obvious. Um, okay. But based on this episode, it's got to be Mary Did You Know. <laughs> I was. I thought one of y'all was going to say that. Especially when Mary was like, yeah, you're going to tell me a virgin I'm pregnant. Instantly, I'm like, yep, that's going to be hers, ain't it? Also, um... Sonora posted on Twitter, she tweeted, that um, although Mary Did You Know is a very beautiful song, it doesn't make any sense because the angel Gabriel came to her and told her all of that stuff was going to happen, so she yeah, didn't know. Like the song should be like, Mary, I'm telling you that's your baby It should be, did you know about Mary? Walk on water. I, I'm hearing this now as a boy band song. Where oh, they're no. like... Girl, I'm telling you. They're all in white. It is a beautiful song, though. It's just, it doesn't make sense. It does yeah. not. It does not. Rachel, what do you think? What's the scariest um, Christmas song? Okay, so I have to say that in in light of what Mary Kay just said, is that every, out of context, 
every Christmas song is gonna be creepy. Like, mm-hmm. all the things about Santa, like, oh, he's listening, and Frosty. Right. These are happy <laughs> songs, okay? Stay within the lane. An inanimate block of snow is coming for you. Stay within yeah, the lane. This is, stay in the context. These are happy. But if I had to choose one, if I had to choose, because I'm a, I'm a team player, I show up. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I would okay, choose. Sure about you. Um, what's it called? I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Is that how it goes? Okay. Because okay. let me explain. Because if of all the people in all of our beloved childhood revered heroes like Santa Claus, if he of all of them is also for the streets cheating on Mrs. Claus, <laughs> we none of us got hope. Not one. Okay. I'm sorry, just what you said is Santa was for the streets. <laughs> I couldn't get my shit together. Well, he's running the streets. If he, if, if he ain't <laughs> He was out. He was out here. <laughs> then there ain't no hope. Uh, so here's the thing. I've got the right answer. Okay. It's I wonder as I wander. What's that? That yeah, shit is scary that. as hell. Oh, y'all ain't loose friend? Cool. All right. I'm going to sing it for you. You ready? I don't know. I'm, a, I'm even going to sing it like a person, like not goofing off. Right? Okay. Okay. I'm getting the mic up to my face like I'm Whitney. I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Y'all ready? It's my best work. Slash after I've had a triumph earlier today and had several drinks and... It might be bad. So here's how it goes. I wonder as I wander out under the sky How Jesus our Savior did come for to die For poor ornery people like you and like I I wonder as I wander out under the sky I, what the fuck is that as a Christmas song? I re- I think I remember that we had to sing in chapel at school, but I don't. Rem- I didn't realize that was a Christmas song. Yeah, why is it so ominous? Why are you out here like on the joyous remembrance of the birth of my Savior? I'm already thinking about how gross it is when he dies. Mm-hmm. Like I'm already sad. That he has to die for me and he was just born today like what what the f- what can i alleviate your fear that? please do because i have a song for you mary you do it's not my song i i stole it from tiktok mary as we've all been talking is wearing this bomb looking jacket with her hair looking bomb lipstick looking bomb hoop earrings looking bomb she out here Oh my God. And the first thing I thought of when I got on this call is this song that is like, it's a play off that new song, like, I'm sorry for dripping. But everyone on TikTok always talks about simping. So they say, I'm sorry for simping, but simping's what I do. If you saw me how I saw you, then you could be my boo. And I'll remember the rest, but <laughs> that's my song for me. I thought of it. As soon as I got on this call, I was like, ooh! Well, thank you. So, guys, I had a, I had a, 
a job opportunity today. So even though I knew they wouldn't even see me at all, I was like, I gotta look good. It can't. It helps. Yeah, yep. gotta look good for me. I gotta feel confident. I gotta feel happy. That's been delightful. Thank you for discussing scary Christmas songs, Rachel. What's up next? Okay, this one I'm really excited about because this is a brand new film that just dropped on Netflix this year. So it's directed by Remy Weeks called His House. And as we like to do here, we're going to spoil the shit out of it for you. But don't watch the trailer. I promise you, go into it blind. You will love it. It is gorgeous. And we're going to talk about it next. Yay! Hey, uh, Mary Kay, tell us a thing we should fucking know about a book that's really fucking good. My book is called America's First Female Serial Killer, Jane Toppin and the Making of a Monster. It is exactly what it sounds like. It's a novelization of the true story. You should get it. Get it for someone you love and follow us on social media so you can hear all our bullshit everybody's doing the go bikini dance we will see you when 2020's over no, can't wait <laughs> love you bye okay, love bye, bye. <laughs> is Will Hines, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.